I'm Kim Grinnells of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter. Scott Eklund, Washington, makes an offensive coordinator hire. And again, kudos to Jen Cohen and company for keeping a tight lid out of this because the minute we found out the name, we all were scrambling. Actually, I found out about it from my son sending me a text. But uh, yeah, Chris, uh, kind of a hire out of left field where I'm not familiar with him and I'm sure Scott's not either. Yeah, that this is this definitely feels like the moment when Mike Hopkins was hired and everyone was scrambling because we'd never even heard of, of him as you know thinking he was a head coach from maybe a smaller school or something and found out that he wasn't even that and obviously a, a John Donovan is a, is a name that would not be uh, associated with anything on the West Coast because he's never coached on the West Coast. Um, he is associated with East Coast football, with SEC football, with Big Ten football. Um, you know, ACC, whatever, and now, you know, being in the NFL the last few years. So uh, he's been around, and, and, and that is one thing that uh, you can certainly say about this particular hire is that he comes with a wealth of college and pro experience. Now it's just a matter of kind of figuring out exactly where he wants to go because this all this does is just prompt more questions. Scott, you know, I said earlier, you know, one of the things that I'd heard and we heard a lot of different things was that Jimmy wanted to go to the NFL for an NFL guy. Um, What is it about an NFL guy that uh, would make this an attractive hire? Well, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know uh, because the guy's only been in the NFL for four years and he hasn't been a play caller. He hasn't been an offensive coordinator. He's been a running backs coach and a tight ends coach. Uh, And so I. I honestly don't know. I, I think maybe Jimmy uh, was recommended this guy. I have a feeling that he probably liked the fact that uh, he had strong running games um, in most every place that he's been at. And, um, you know, Leonard Fournette had a really good season under him as the running backs coach. And I, I don't know. It, I, I've kind of tried to look it up. It doesn't say like he was a running game coordinator, but that doesn't mean anything in the NFL, does it? I mean, in college, they name coaches like the running game or passing game coordinators, but I don't think they do that in the NFL. So it, it's really hard to know how much of the scheming that he was part of. And I mean, the guy hasn't called plays in what about a dozen years, ten years, whatever it is. So I don't well, know. The I, last year, the know. last year he called plays was back in 2015, so five years. Oh, for Penn State. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I thought I assumed that was James Franklin. So, all right. Well, that's my mistake then. But anyway, he. Uh, I just. I don't want to. I'm always willing to let let things kind of play out because I don't know all the ins and outs of everything and how the decision was made and there, and all that. But I there's some questions in my mind and and it'll be interesting to watch how he, you know, in in ingrains himself in Washington's program. Yeah, I think that, you know, fans kind of um, don't look at the bigger picture when they're looking at offensive coordinators. I kind of equate it to seeing a shark fin in the water. Okay, that's what you see, but it's what underneath what's underneath that's a lot more dangerous and tells you what you're really dealing with. And that's my feeling on play calling. There's a lot more that goes into that than that. And what I think is important on an offensive coordinator is how well does he understand offense? How smart and how well is he prepared? Because to me, the play calling him is just the end of what happens in scheming and planning a, a, a game plan and being able to put a game plan in action. If you've got a good game plan, the uh, play calling comes easy. It's all about scheming and doing the game plan and how intelligent and how under, what, how much of an understanding that you truly have of how an offense works 
It's just like when we were talking uh, on the boards about Kellen Moore and people thinking he was just a, um, a Pete, um, Chris Peterson clone. Well, no, he's been around a while. He's seen a lot and he understands offense. I'm sure he knows several different ways to, to skin that offense. And that's what I'm seeing, you know, probably from a guy like a John Donovan. He's not a one trick pony. He's been to different programs under different systems. Hell, he was at Georgia Tech. Um, you know, so I think he's probably going to have a good idea of how offenses work and will be able to adapt to the personnel he has. Yeah, I think I think it's one of those things, too, where, you know, you 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 need to go back with this guy a little bit because, you know, he's been coaching, you know, pretty big time football, at least, you know, ACC style football and beyond since, you know, basically the turn of the millennium. He was and with, he's still only 45. He's still a young guy. Right. He was with Ralph Regan at Maryland when there was a huge resurgence. Um, you know, and he was the recruiting coordinator, actually, at that time. So he really helped kind of stock the shelves in the, kind of the 2001, 2002, 2003, 2004 era when, when Friedgen really had it rolling with the Terrapins. And, you know, he in, in Friedgen's coaching tree, you look at a guy like James Franklin. You look at a guy like Bill O'Brien, for instance, who's now with the Texans. And so he has a pretty wide tree. And then on top of it, if you look at the guys that Donovan's worked with the last few years at Jacksonville, their offensive coordinators, guys like John DeFilippo, who was at Minnesota. Um, you're looking at Nathaniel Hackett, who's now the offensive coordinator with the Green Bay Packers under LaFleur, who's a you know considered a rising star. So really, again, like I kind of went back in the beginning, Kim, this guy has dealt with so many different coaches and has had a, a bit of everything kind of that he could use at his disposal that it really just kind of depends on which direction he wants to go and which direction Lake kind of wants, you know, whatever Lake's mandate is. We, we heard a little bit about it when Lake was hired. He said he wants to be aggressive in everything they do. They, you know, and this guy really has his, his style rooted in a pro style personnel based offense. So I don't think they're really going away from the, the kind of stuff that they were doing the last few years under Peterson. Obviously there's going to be a ton of wrinkles, but they're going to use the tight end still. And, and I think that's a big part of it. And they're clearly wants to want to still be balanced. Now how they include that aggressive kind of mentality, you know, we'll have to see. Yeah. I think that means, you know, instead of a six yard pass, maybe a, 12-yard pass, but, um, and Scott, you've been around football a long time, and I, I can't stress enough, it's how you're able to assimilate what you've learned, and, you know, he's 45 years old and been in coaching for 20 years, he started when he was 25, so he does have a lot of experience being a young guy. Yeah, he's, he coached under Dom Capers, I think, at, uh, at, um, at the Carolina Panthers, he's been with Ralph Regan. He's been with James Franklin. He's been kind of all over the place, and he's recruited to high academic schools like Vanderbilt. He's recruited to hotbeds like Penn State and some of those other programs. So um, again, you know, th this guy's got a vast, wide variety of experience, and um, I, I guess my my only thing is um, I was kind of just looking at I, I just. I wonder how much he's worked with quarterbacks and, and what kind of quarterbacks he likes because the guys on Washington's roster currently do not fit into the uh, dual threat mode. You know, uh, Dylan Morris and uh, Jacob Sermon are guys who are more stand in the pocket, get the ball out of their hands kind of guys. And Ethan Garbers might be able to run around a little bit more than those guys, but he's still not a quote-unquote dual threat guy. So I'm really interested to see what kind of offense this guy's going to be employing and, and what Jimmy Lake is really looking for. It's 
it, there's a lot of unknowns in this. And like you said, it's a lot like the Mike Hopkins hire because not a lot of people even really considered him as being a candidate at the University of Washington. So it sent everybody scrambling and they didn't know a lot about him. Well, that's what this guy is. Granted, he's not running the entire program. He's just running the offense. But it, this is a really important time for Washington. They've got a lot of uh, really high-end recruits that are coming through the the uh, the state here over the next year or two, and they're going to need to be right on top of it. They need a good recruiter, so I think that's one thing this guy has going for him. It sounds like he was a pretty good recruiter, kind of dug around for guys, but um, you know, I they need this needed to be a really good hire for Jimmy Lake, and and I'm just going to trust that he knew, knows what he wants and that he went out and got it. One of the big things that we try to do here is when news breaks, you know, that's one thing. Everybody has it. But what does it mean? What does it truly mean? And I know that when coaches are interviewed is for head coaching jobs, one of the first questions is asked is, what kind of a staff would you be able to surround yourself with? And when you take a look at uh, what Mike McCarthy did down at Dallas, I'm sure that he went in depth with uh, Jerry Jones on the kind of staff he would be able to put together. I'm sure that had a lot to do with his hiring down there. So the question around John Donovan is, what kind of a staff are you going to be able to put together? Now, they have Scott Huff here already. They have Keith Bonifa here already. And they have Junior Adams here already. But does that mean those guys are here to stay? Or is he going to be able to bring in his own guys? Does he want his own guys? And what kind of a conversation was that? If he was to keep the guys that are currently on the coaching staff He's got one opening, you know, to fill with a tight end coach. Does he fill that with a tight end coach that can also coach running backs and then bring in somebody to, in addition to help on the offense? Does he hire a tight end coach that helps more with the offensive line? So I think that's the big question that I'm looking at is how is the rest of this staff going to fill out, Chris? Well, right. I mean, it, you could go, you know, like you were saying, you could just go like for like, hire a, a tight ends coach and, and, and do away with it and be good with it. Um, we know Scott Huff has had experience as a tight ends coach at Boise State as well as, as the offensive line. So could you see Scott Huff, Scott Huff moving to tight ends and bringing in and a in, new and, offensive line coach? And increasing Junior Adams' responsibility to work with the pass-catching portion of the tight ends. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there are certainly different ways you, can, you could revamp the organization chart in terms of the offense, for sure. And it is going to be interesting to see how Donovan reacts to, to being the, the, the quarterback's coach part of this whole thing because he hasn't coached quarterbacks or been the quarterback's coach in name since he was at Maryland back in 06-07. So that, you know, that, that might have been the most surprising part of this whole thing is the fact that uh, he's taking that over since he hasn't really worked with the quarterbacks exclusively in many, many, many years. Um, I, I think the play-calling stuff is a little overrated in terms of people wondering if he can, you know, to me that's like riding a bike. I mean, if you've done it at the college level, at the SEC level, at the Big Ten level, at, you can get back and doing that. That's not a problem. I don't, I don't see an issue with that at all. But getting back and coaching with quarterbacks – how much he, he really hasn't been exposed to dealing with quarterbacks, especially the way that they've evolved into kind of this dual role. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how they, they do that. I know with when he was working with Christian Hackenberg uh, at Penn State, there was some things where you know Hackenberg was probably a little bit more of a, a pocket style, just sit back and sling it like a Jacob Eason type, but he wanted to try to get him out and running a little bit. So I, I know that there's some some things there where they tried to fit 
uh, quarterbacks into doing certain things, and maybe you see a, a Dylan Morris or a Jacob Sermon or Ethan Garbers or one of these guys kind of doing that as well. But I, again, I, I just think that with a guy with as much college and pro pedigree as this guy has, you can do anything you want. And with the pro style, you know it recruits well because all those guys want one thing, and that's they want to get developed to go to the next level. And when you can show them a coach who's literally been doing that for the last four or five years and has been immersed in it, I think that's a great thing, at least in terms of getting the guys on campus. Now, how you want to use use them once you get them to Montlake, that's obviously going to be the huge question because this guy literally has no ties to anything that's happened in, in Washington, let alone the West Coast. So in some ways, a lot of Washington fans wanted to cut ties with this whole Boise State thing. That was a reason why they didn't want Kellen yep. Moore, which was weird to me to begin with. But so be it. I mean, they they just wanted a clean break from that. And that's fine. They got what they wanted with this guy. Scott, how do you think the rest of this coaching staff changes uh, up? Do you think there's one opening on this staff? Or do you think there's more than well, one opening? There on is. Well, there's, there's actually, um, um, you know, one – there's one opening right now, and that's Jordan Pow Pow's old spot at tight end. But you could make this work any number of ways. I, you know, I know there's a lot of people out there that are hoping that Bob Gregory and Keith Bonifer are gone, and I, I, I don't know if I agree with that or not. I, I'm not hoping. I those I think those guys are both good coaches, but um, you know, we'll, we've got the coaching thing coming up the coaching convention coming up here and i think you could see some movement as far as a tight end coach spot being filled or um possibly um a coach or two moving on to another another opportunity so um yeah you're asking me something that i don't really have a a huge thought on because i just i have no idea how this thing is going to kind of twist itself and work itself out well it's what makes it interesting and with the people that they brought on and the people that have left, you know, what has that done to the budget? Um, we saw earlier this week that the main recruiting guy, which is kind of an administrative position, just running recruiting, uh, Cooper Patagna. Is that how you pronounce it? Cooper Patania? Patania. Yeah. Um, he was let go and they're obviously going to bring in somebody else, but um, you know, with the money that they saved with Pete gone and then not having Jimmy as a high paid defensive coach, you know, they've obviously had some more to work with with the budget. Is there enough there where they can bring a million dollar a guy year and, um, you know, to help with the quarterbacks and to help with the offense? Or are they just going to stick with that tight end coach like for like replacing Jordan Pow Pow? And that's where it all gets interesting to me. Yeah, and I, I don't disagree. I think that's exactly where thing, we, we just don't know. It's almost the situation, you know, true wisdom is knowing what you don't know. Well, I don't know what I don't know, so I'm not really that wise. I, I don't know, and I don't really honestly have any cogent thoughts on it because a lot of this coaching stuff just doesn't, some of it doesn't make sense on the surface, but then you end up watching how it plays out, and it actually works out good. So, And the ones that you think are great hires aren't. So it's kind of just a crapshoot, and you got to just trust that the coach whose job relies on these guys being good has made a good hire. Because if they haven't, Jimmy Lake is not going to be the head coach here very long if this is a bad hire. And I think Chris Fetters and I are on the same page where a hire like this or a hire like Mike Hopkins, there's a lot of emotional people out there who underwhelming hire, you know, I don't like it, or just immediately 
you know, got to quash it. But um, I think like myself, I think Chris does the same thing. Okay, this is interesting. We need to do some work. We need to find out about this guy. And Chris, we've still got a lot of homework to do about this guy. I do before I form any kind of a judgment for sure. Yeah, I mean, on the on the Dogman message boards, I, I broke it down into five buckets. I mean, you've got those that are were dead set on uh, one particular coordinator, and if they didn't get that guy, they're going to be pissed off. I mean, that's just kind of the way it is. Then you've got the ones looking for at least just like a name that they would recognize or, you know, or someone at least in the realm of something that looks like it would be a, a splash higher. They didn't get it. So they're going to be not only pissed, but they're going to be kind of like us a little bit in terms of being a little disoriented, trying to, okay, now where are we? Where, what is this going to, what is this guy about? What we need to do some research that leads me to the third bucket, which is those, those are the pragmatic ones, right? The ones that are okay. You know, we know Jimmy Lake knows what he's doing. So let's take a wait and see. Let's, let's, let's just kind of wait a bit, let things settle. And then there's the ones that, you know, like we have to be, which is we have to do some research. We got, we're genuinely curious as to what John Donovan's all about. We've got to go out and find out. And so we've reached out to the guys at Penn State and the 24-7 network. We hope to reach out to them and, and, and find out a little bit more about what Donovan was like when he was at Happy Valley. And then there's those that are just, you know what, we're all in on Jimmy Lake. We, we love that hire. We love the direction he's going. We love the aggressive things that he was talking about. And we believe that if, if Lake thinks that Donovan's the guy, then then we believe Donovan's the guy. So that that's that's kind of the groups that you're that you're talking about here. And bottom line is that again, I started out where I was at the very, very beginning. When a guy like this gets hired with no ties to the program, no ties to the West Coast, no ties to the Pac twelve, no ties seemingly to Jimmy Lake or anybody on the staff, it just opens up so many questions and then that's why, you know, it, it it'd be awesome to talk to him at some point and find out how he was intrigued by this situation and what he was thinking when he got approached by Lake. I don't know if you guys did the same thing I did, but the first thing I did was go look to see if he had a Twitter page. I didn't see a Twitter page. Did you guys? I did, but I he can't I be attached. I don't think he has one. Yeah, yeah. I was I was, try, I was gonna try to attach his name, his Twitter account to the to the story that was run and he couldn't be attached, so I didn't, I didn't really think of it at the time. We were a little busy, but uh, one thing I will say, or a couple things I will say, just to finish out, um, there was an interesting name that was tied to him when he was at Penn State. The second year he was the offensive coordinator, the last year before he was let go, one of the grad assistants on that team is Joe Brady. Joe Brady is now the LSU uh, wide receivers coach and their passing game coordinator, the guy that is been credited with being the the one that uh, was kind of the, the guy behind the guy with Joe Burrow and creating that offense that's been so successful at LSU. So I thought that was interesting. And then also this connection with Joe Moorhead, the old Mississippi State head coach, who was the offensive coordinator after John Donovan at Penn State. He's now uh, supposedly interviewing with Oregon. So if John Donovan goes to Washington – and then Joe Moorhead ends up at Oregon. How crazy is that going to be? Musical chairs. That's what happens. By the way, coaching convention starts on Sunday, runs through Tuesday. So always stuff to keep your eye on there, too. Um, I'm not sure who from Washington is going to be down there, but uh, we definitely know uh, some friends of ours that are going to be down there. And Scott, any thoughts on what you think is going to come about from the coaching convention? Well, I kind of mentioned it earlier. I think that you, we will know very quickly after that, 
convention is over who Washington's new tight ends coach is going to be. I really do. That's where a lot of these things happen is they, the coaches go out, they have drinks together. They, they finalize a deal and say, Hey, we'll get this done. We'll have our guys call your guys and get the contract worked out and bam, it's done. And, uh, that's how a lot of these things work. So, um, I think that's when we'll kind of know what's, what's going to happen as far as the restructuring of the, of the Ross of the, uh, coaching staff. Yeah, and I wouldn't say that they're going to hire a tight ends coach. I think they're going to add somebody to the staff, and it'll be interesting to see who they add to do what and if there's any reshuffling going around. So, um, one thing I would one thing I would say, Kim, is that you know recruiting is still ongoing, and the and the regular uh, signing day is starting the first Wednesday of, of February, and so they're going to have two usually two full recruiting weekends before that to try to get any guys in under you know, under the deadline. Um, I know Case and Kinchin, he just tweeted out, you know, he's taking an official visit the weekend of the 24th. Um, you know, Jack Yerry is a guy that, that we've been talking about for a couple months now, ever since he decommitted from USC. I'm sure he's the first phone call, by the way. Well, correct. But that's another reason why I think Scott's right in the sense of once the convention is done and everybody kind of sees where the chairs are being sorted, and, and where everyone else is going and the dominoes are falling, they're going to have to get that done pretty quickly so that they can not only figure things out with a guy who's already or, or still out there in Jack Gary, but also the guys that are currently committed, guys like Mason West, guys like Mark Redman, you know, get them sorted and, and make them feel good about the direction where the program is headed with their particular position. So, uh, you know, there's, there's definitely reasons why this uh, this – you know, this particular position needs to get figured out. But you guys are also right in the sense that if this thing gets reorganized a little bit and guys take on different titles, different names, you know, we see a guy get shuffled from one position to another, that that could mean that they might have to have to, t- they might have to take more time to get it figured out. So who knows? Uh, one other thing I want to just re- uh, mention, Kim, is that the big recruiting weekend right now looks like the 24th. Okay. And I was just gonna. I was just gonna say, let's wrap it up and just final thoughts, Scott. So, uh, well, uh, my final thoughts are, um, I'm just willing to let this thing kind of play out. I want to do more research, like you and Chris said, and and uh, find out a little bit more about this. But now that we know the direction of the offense, now it's just time to kind of wait and see the results. Final thoughts, Chris Fetters. Yeah, I think going into this, we were curious if Jimmy Lake was just going to give a guy the keys to the car and let him roll, it kind of feels like that's what's happened here in terms of hiring a guy that's got a wealth of college experience, but also a wealth of pro experience has, uh, you know, kind of a network in terms of, you know, he has recruited quite a bit in the college game. So I think that maybe settles one of the questions, but it also, you know, asks the question, how is he going to do in terms of recruiting the West Coast? Because he's really never been out here. So it again, this is a this is a hire that answers a few different questions, but it opens up so many more. And it's going to be very very interesting when we actually get a chance to talk to Donovan about his uh, intentions, uh, what excited him about this opportunity. I, but I can imagine he, it sounds like he wants to get back into college game. He wants to get back in a situation where he can impact uh, a, a school offensively. And, yeah, I mean, people are going to point to the statistics and the things when he was at Vanderbilt and when he was at Penn State and, and how it wasn't as good as maybe they'd like to see. But, again, 
you know, Peterson, Chris Peterson would say stats are for losers. There's always context. Uh, very excited to hear more about this guy and, and hear from him uh, directly. And the key to me is interesting because I think this is an interesting hire and there's a lot to find out about it. Uh, we don't know what we got yet. We really don't. We don't know what kind of an offense. We don't know what kind of staff he's going to uh, use. We don't know how much of a recruiter is. So there's a lot to learn about John Donovan. So, um, and I would ask everybody, you know, just do your homework, you know, um, do some research, find out more about this guy, bring something to the table rather than this sucks. It's underwhelming. That's nothing. I mean, you know, go kick your dog or go for a walk or get off the message boards. But to me, this is something to that's highly intriguing and is a chance for people to really dive in and find out what they've got. And it's going to be an ongoing process. So uh, we'll see where this goes. And it'll we don't know if we're going to have availability to him. You know, we'll have to reach out and see. You know, I'm guessing that we may have some kind of a teleconference available at some point, but we will see. So, um, boy, it just never slows down at dogman.com between, you know, football with the offensive coordinator hire. We'll see if there's any more staff reshuffling with basketball, with quad A green becoming academically ineligible. We've still got some recruiting stuff going on. It just never ends. So just keep it right here. And any breaking news, you can always make sure to catch us at dogman.com. If you're not subscribed to our newsletter and you're not somebody who regularly visits the site, uh, shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter. We will get you those daily updates and breaking news alerts. And for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetters. Go dogs. Oh, and Scott. And you forgot to wish Chris happy birthday. Happy birthday, Chris Fetters. You look good for 76 or 46 or 52.